while back ago. Digging it. Thinking about upgrading it. A little shorter. Nice mm. feel to it. Thank you, man. Welcome to the Ride Balance Podcast. I, we got Anthony and Donald here. Uh, you guys run the Distinguished Gentleman Ride, uh, fellow Bike Shed members as well, correct? Uh, how are you guys doing? You were waiting here for two hours, working on your book, and you just got here. What's going on? Well, I had a nice uh, three-hour ride today, so I'm nice and relaxed. Nice. Yeah. Oh, you had a good ride today. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yourself? Me, I was just here working early, again, trying to find some casual coffee spot space to just kind of do some writing. Kind of shoot the breeze. What'd you find? Oh, I was at, um, oh, who was it? Where was it? I tried to go back. I think you're at Crave. Crave Cafe. But I ended up at the Crave's wrong location. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Crave's pretty cool. Alfred's Coffee next time down the street. I'm not okay. sure if you're familiar with it, but they're they're pretty much all over L.A. They've blown up, you know, but they're that's that's where we usually meet up. It's not like I live five minutes away from you, though. Yeah, but, but not, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But remember, the closer you have the mic, so just don't be afraid to pull it in. And one more second. So, guys, I'm really happy that you guys came. Thank you for sending this beautiful uh, image. Usually I have to do it myself, and this is very well done. Did you make this? or Mickey Mickey made this for us. Mickey oh. is one of our um, co-hosts on the ride. We've got a team of seven nice. or eight that kind of helps us put together the ride every year. So, Mickey, actually, we told her we were doing this, so she pulled this graphic together for everybody. It's going to be coming over the next couple of days. Let's talk about what is the Distinguished Gentleman Ride, because it's been around for, what, it's going to be 12 years now? So, yeah, it's been around for about 12 years. I think uh, 11 in Los Angeles. 11 in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, and uh, we have a team of eight co-hosts, city co-hosts, and we've uh, been working together for a number of years. Um, we kind of took over after we had a, a long-term host, Sam Bendel, who's now in Austin. When he vacated, we took a, a team approach to managing the ride versus just having one sole person. And uh, that's how that's worked out pretty well. Perfect. And, and, and we'll get more into that. But let, let's talk about the original roots of the uh, DGR, because I, I've been riding for 20-something years. And I would say I, I found out about DGR maybe four years ago, five years ago. No, less, like four years ago. So th the idea of this podcast is to get that awareness out there. What is, and I, I, like, I like your highlighted points, what is the Distinguished Gentleman Ride? What is this about? Is it only for gentlemen? You know, what, what's the cause? What, what, are the, what are the accomplishments? So there's a, there's a lot of things. I mean, I, I found out about it in 2013. 2013, maybe even 2014 was my first ride, but it was started in 2012 by Mark Hawa out of uh, Sydney, Australia. Uh, he kind of pulled it up as an inspiration from the photo of Mad Men, Don Draper in Mad Men, you know, in a suit astride a motorcycle. And that image inspired him to kind of rally people around, you know, a cause for, um, I think at the beginning, what was it in the beginning? It was uh, the Prostate Cancer it was Foundation. Just, it, it was limited to prostate cancer back then, and then it's just since evolved yeah. from that point. Isn't that amazing, just by a single image or, or, or you have an image, you know? Don Draper, which if you really break down John Draper's character, he wasn't the most <laughs> great guy either. <laughs> Love the show, but like you're like, wait a minute, you lied about mm -hmm. his. Anyways, he wore a suit well. He yeah. wore a suit well, <laughs> but but just that image of of looking sharp in that 1950s, yeah. such was, a big the, cause. The, the dichotomy because people are so used to seeing a very different image of somebody astride a motorcycle. So you you don a suit and you get on a motorcycle, and it's the, it's that contrast yeah. that people just aren't they aren't 
they aren't familiar with. And when you look at the population of people who actually participate in the, in the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, it's, it's business people, it's professionals. I mean, look, at, look right here, of Don course. and I, like I'm an architect, Don is actually a lawyer. I mean, it's, 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 not, it's not kind of the, you know, you know, the, the, the gang bang that, well, that kind of people perceive. What's, what's <laughs> what I like about it is it makes that point, mm -hmm. but that bleeds into all the other bikers. Because if you look mm -hmm. at every other bike, I, I don't care who you're talking about, the Harley guys, the Ducati guys, mm -hmm. we're all and we try to Yeah, and we try to be all-inclusive. But um, in terms of the ride and how we conduct ourselves during the ride, there's not, you know, there's no hooliganism, there's no wheelies, you know, no yeah. stunt riding. Um, riding we want to, yeah, we want to project an image of, uh, you know, a very public friendly image and promote that image. It's, uh, you know, it's like an old 60s campaign of, of promoting motorcycling and, and making it a friendly, all inclusive thing. Yeah. Um, and, and we're doing something good for the community and for, for men's health. And we have, I think, about 22 to 23% female participation in the ride. So it's even though it's the gentleman's ride, it is by no means restricted to gentlemen. We have we have men, women. We actually have children. We even have dogs in sidecars. So well, there's, a, there's quite a few famous dogs yeah. that, that, yeah. that are involved. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we're, we're, I still think we're making this sound very casual and simple. This is, what, 150 cities? 900 cities 900 cities around yeah. the world in yeah. over a hundred like 110 120 countries yeah, yeah. and yeah. and they do the ride on separate days or the same day same day same day. on the same day yeah. 24 hours different time zones all going that's amazing yeah. but 500,000 riders 5,000 500,000 riders wow and, and akin to, you know, when, when they did Live Aid and Phil Collins performed in, you know, two different locations, Mark Hawa, I think he rode in the Sydney ride and the Hawaii ride both in one day. Whoa. <laughs> what's what's the flight from Hawaii to well, Sydney? He had, he had the benefit of the international dateline, so. Right. Yeah. But how did that, uh, still, I, I mean, I, I get it because of the yeah. time differences and they're ahead and one's back, yeah. but. How did that work? Like he he started in Sydney. He started in Sydney, jumped a plane, and and got to Hawaii. And Hawaii is the last ride of the, on the planet, essentially. Wow, that's yeah. amazing! Yeah. Amazing guy. I'm actually releasing his episode this Wednesday, so that that's gonna go live. We we had we had a wild <laughs> interview. Like it was just crazy. You had Anthony Partridge and. <laughs> Oh my God! It, it was Scott. insane, <laughs> insane. The table was covered in alcohol. <laughs> like, what's going on? Men's health? Like, no, no. But 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 it, it's it's amazing the cause he's created. It's amazing. Now let's talk about LA for a second. How has LA been receiving this? And and talk about the process of closing down the streets and these rides and how intricate they get. Well, you know, in LA we've we've evolved quite a bit. Now it's a it's a much orderly procedure, and we have. You know, we have police-style escorts escorting the bikers. We have about 650 bikers that we're planning for this year. Um, 600. Yeah. And, and, you know, in the past, we've done between 600 to 700 motorcycles, uh, depending on the venue and what it can support. In the early days, we had rides that had over 1,000, and it was just mayhem. 1,300 riders, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so we've had to limit – we've tried to limit down the pack because otherwise you get spread over – literally over two miles and it becomes unwieldy yeah. that's insane that that really big year i remember we were going down santa monica boulevard and i was i i was towards the back of the ride and i hit that crest on santa monica yeah i could not see the front of the ride it was easily five or six miles 
yeah. down ahead of us. That's so wild. Yeah. That, that's so impressive. Mm-hmm. And then the ride setting. Okay, so you guys have a, a police-style escorts mm-hmm. guiding the rides. Everybody, like you said, there's no hooligans. There's nobody trying to show off. Everybody pretty much follows the trail. It's, two by it's, two it's not the fastest ride. ride in the world. No. no. It, but everybody cooperates. The, it's, it's, it's a beautiful sight to see i mean people everybody stops well the cars have to stop but people stop and take pictures and videos and then usually where does it end up and and then where it ends up let's talk about some of the sponsors in the local community how they can get involved well we we've started and ended we make the ride different every year yeah um the participants actually don't find out where the start and end point is until a couple of days before the ride happens because so an example of previous years would be the greek theater bike shed once we closed down the street out in front of Westfield Century City, um, we've hosted the ride on Santa Monica Pier. We've, you know, host, we've started from a parking lot. I mean, it runs the gamut. Yeah. Uh, the biggest challenge with that is finding a host location that's okay with the fact when you call them up and say, hey, we'd like to bring, you know, five, six hundred mo- you know, people on motorcycles to your, to your venue. Yeah, and only. It, and it, yeah, only. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes they, the response is with a little trepidation because of their perception of the motorcycle community. And the other times it's okay. Well, how much, you know, let's talk about them, how much we're, they're going to charge us to use one of those spaces. And, yeah. and typically in L.A., when you want to close down a street, you have to have the permission of two-thirds of the occupants in the street. So it was very easy in Bike Shed to close down Industrial Street for the last two years because there weren't that many residential occupants, but they just opened up a new condo building. Yeah, that's And so be there's hundreds of new occupants that we'd have to have, you know, have their permission. door to door inside a single building. And, ha- you know, <laughs> and that insane. building, they're not even moved in yet, so it makes it very unwieldy to use that location. Yeah. So you need two-thirds yeah. of the occupant. Wow. So I'll never again? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't want to say pos- that. It's but possible. Like, but yeah. 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 It's just work. Yeah, but we are including Bike Shed. Bike Shed's had such a great commitment because Vicky and Dutch have have actually been the city hosts of London, the London DGR for years and years. So they they uh, they very strongly support the ride cause, um, and we're talking to them about having a pre fundraising event there to kind of kick things off, bring awareness, you know, get everybody involved because you know we have fundraising start two months before the ride. A lot of people kind of trickle in and we'd like to kind of front load it and, you know, start off with a bang. Right. And, and then this is very important for me. And actually I, I got into a little panic cause, cause I heard you were hunting f- for my head and where I, I signed up, you know, and I, I'm signed up now I'm helping high man. I'm doing this and then, and then, and then I don't know. Somebody's like, dude, Donald's looking for you. And I'm like, what? And Donald's, he says you can't write. I'm like, what? Like, like we I'm wanted to make sure like you had re- that you were registered. And, yeah, yeah. And the thing yeah. was yeah. is that not, not only do I have to register, but I have to bring in a person. So the important part of this is one at the, out of those 500, 600 people that sign up, they 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 fund to the charity to get you know to be part of charity, it. Yeah. And then they at least have to get one person. So then you, these people are also promoting a great cause. And I'm all about that. I it sure. just it just I didn't understand that. And that's sure. And and you can actually self fundraise. So right. that's that's one way Which to is do awesome. it. Yeah. Um, originally there was no fundraising requirement. And so for the first couple of years we'd have like say a thousand people show up or or register for the ride. 
And, um, you know, in the beginning, they didn't even, a lot of people didn't even register. So there's insurance issues with that. But, you know, we wanted everybody registered. That way, if anything happens, there's insurance for, for the event. Um, but then, you know, we saw that, you know, out of, say, you know, 1,000 or 600 people who was fundraising, and it was a very small percentage. So we then imposed, hey, let's just make a minimal fundraising requirement of $50 for, for a participant. Which is beautiful. And then all of a sudden we were actually raising more money than we had ever done with before. With less people. With less people. Mm-hmm. And, and you're also filtering a bunch of, um, I don't want to say the free riders, but you're filtering a bunch of people to mm-hmm. be motivated. And if you're not that motivated to bring in 50 bucks, maybe you should enjoy the ride because mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty complex. Well, you know, we, we want it to be about the cause and not just about the gram. And, you know, there's a, you know, it, it, it is a great photo moment, but we want people to be excited about the cause and raising money for men's health. And, you know, the, the money funds research for prostate cancer and testicular cancer and for suicide prevention. So those are all great causes. You know, it's like the money is going to, uh, you know, where it's needed. Yeah. I mean, the ride is the spectacle. But yeah. The real intent is, is the cause, is right. the cause and the fundraising. So it's this two, this two month period that people... Like last year, I think within two months, DGR raised just over seven million. Last year, globally, yeah, outstanding. Um, LA outstanding. just crossed the one million dollar fundraising mark last year since we started back in 2013. So, uh, and then I looked at right before the right before we came down here, I was looking at the metrics. If you just look at last year's ride, the top five cities raised one million of that seven million dollars, and the other six million came from the next you know nine hundred cities. Yeah. We talked about the ride before, and the ride is, you know, it it takes a bit of engineering to find the right mix because what we're trying to do is we're trying to make the ride scenic, make it entertaining for the ride participants, but the main goal is that we want to engage as much with the pedestrian public out there. So we're trying to reach, you know, highly trafficked pedestrian areas so that we're engaging with the public. And, you know, they're all of a sudden, you know, there's 600 bikers upon them, and they're like, what's going on? They're wearing suits. What are they doing? You know, and it's like, and, and you know, we want them to kind of say, hey, what's going on? And they say, oh, distinguished gentleman's ride. What's that? You know, and they look it up, and they're like, oh, they're raising money for men's health. It's a great cause. So, um, you know. How, how, how do you guys inform the, the public, uh, the pedestrians, when that happens? What, one, one year, I actually had business cards made that had a QR code to my ride page. And I think I gave away like 50 or 60 of them in the middle of the ride. Like people would stop, they would wave, we're right by the sidewalk. Sometimes we're, we're either waiting at a light or we're kind of pausing for a moment. And I just kind of give them out. I think I got like maybe five or 10 donations in the middle of the ride wow. from people that I kind of hand them out to. That's but, amazing. But when we're on the ride itself, there's their signage. You know, all of the marshals um, in the ride are wearing bibs, uh, back markers on the back of their jackets that have the logo. Um, you know, we're all wearing mustaches on our bikes. Um, and so we also have uh, people that are marking all of our turns, and they have, like, large signs with the distinguished gentleman's you know, right. No, I, I, yeah. I've, I've yeah. seen yeah. it. It's just I'm just thinking about when you – it's 600 people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and you, have, you have maybe, what, 20 people wearing some kind of badge or sign. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, if there was, like, one of those – you know, a car had like a wrap that had like a QR code DGR, Distinguished Gentleman Ride, or one of those taxis, not taxis, but those trucks that have like the banners and ads. I'm sure they would cooperate and participate and just, you know, let the public know at the same time be- before or after, you know. 
Well, we, we try to make it more about motorcycles than cars, but we do have one of one of our team members uh, who actually rides with a gigantic flag on his yeah. chopper, and it's a huge distinguished gentleman's ride. Uh, yeah. He goes by freaking Rob or wonderful Rob or <laughs> big Rob, <laughs> big Rob, big, big Rob, Rob. Mr. Gears and Guards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, yeah. he's all about it. Yeah. He's, I, I think, I think he was one of the first people. Like, like at that point, I heard of it, but I still haven't done a ride. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the first people who was just breaking it down when they opened up the bike shed. He's like, oh yeah, VGR, dot dot dot, this, that, that, that. And he's a great ambassador for it because you know he, he he rides a big old bagger. He you know when he's on the bike he he looks like a, a typical big biker, red, red mm-hmm. right? And bagger. and you know he gets off the bike and you wouldn't know it. The guy is a, a corporate banker, yeah. You know? And uh, you know and he, he wears a suit well. You know it's just like he is. He's one of those. Oh, sorry about that. I oh, know you're good. I was <laughs> like, is that me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was my better half. It's him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd say I get it. But yeah, he epitomizes uh, the one of the gentlemen's ride participants. It's you know, you know, you might be a biker, you might have tattoos all your over your arms, you might wear a suit during the day. But for that day, we dress up, we put on a suit, uh, or other dapper attire. Some people get pretty creative wi- with uh, what they wear, and uh, we try to present a positive image of of motorcyclists. And you guys are succeeding at that one hundred percent. Like I don't think there's anybody that looks at this event. Uh, at a local level or globally and say, hey, those are troublemakers. I think everybody loves it. Uh, people are get excited. People, there's just so much excitement. One, you got a bunch of elegant dressed people. Two, you got cool looking motorcycles. I mean, some of the bikes, li- what, what are some of your favorite bikes on this ride or that you saw last year on this ride? Well, we get a lot of uh, custom builders yeah. that, that participate. Uh, so we always get some, some interesting things. Last year, there's this guy, uh, his Instagram handles like Von Janical and he has this humongous chopper that has like, you know, probably like a six foot front end. It's, oh it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Turning on ev- that. everybody, everybody loved that thing. Um, yeah. that was a spectacle. Yeah. Um, there was another guy in a, in a Harley tuk tuk and that got a lot of eyeballs. So, yeah. you know, not something you see every day. And, uh, was the sidecar, the blue and white plaid was the big chopper. Uh, the, no, it was all steel. It was all raw steel. Okay. Yeah, one, one of the guys shows up yeah. in his, in a similar chopper to that, and the paint job on the chopper is this kind of blue plaid, and then no. he shows up in a matching suit to nice. the paint job on the back. Nice. Like one of our other members, he actually bought a white suit. He kind of did some pinstriping on it, and then he went and custom painted the bike to actually match. So, wow. so people get people get hard. No, no, they get. They that's get why hardcore. I'm asking. Like, what's <laughs> the, what's some of your guys' favorite bikes? Yeah, there was like, a guy. Yeah, Jake Grotsky, uh who uh, did a BMW. It was zebra painted, and he painted his his suit to match. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then there's this guy in this gray suit over here with the you know the mystery man with the chrome helmet. That's yeah, the guy sitting next to me right there. That's me. I, I that's <laughs> a sharp looking dude right there. Yeah, that's a great suit. Color coordinate uh, to the bike. Uh, Jaime last year, he, he was the, what do you call it, the amba- ambassador? Or he was, a, he was one of the global ambassadors. The global yeah. ambassadors. He, he was so all about it that he, he fixed, he went crazy on his Triumph. Like, if you look at the upgrades on that bike, he, he did really good. Rob always, like you said, he brings up that big flag. Yeah. You know, pe- people get down. Mm-hmm. Is there a competition of, like, the best bike or voted bike or something? You know, There's so much you could do with this. We had that back in 2014, and, uh, you know, there was, you know, Best Scrambler, Best Cafe, um, you know, we had those kind of competitions. Uh, we might bring it back this year. Um, we usually 
give pra- uh, prizes are usually for the you know top fundraisers for the city, but uh, it's definitely something we should think about. Now, w- one of the fun things that, that I, I want to talk about, uh, if you guys can highlight, is once we get to the destination, we get to the destination, it, it's it's a big party. There's local sponsors. Lo- I mean, let's talk about that. How do you guys set that up? And, and uh, can s- people sign up and get a booth there? Um, and how does that work? And how many people show up after? Does everybody from the ride show up and hang out? You know, there's food, drinks. Let's talk about that. Well, it's it's uh, everybody in the ride and then some friends and family and, and then right. even bystanders. Um, and, you know, in the past we've had public areas where, you know, it's open to the public. We did that uh, a couple of years back at Santa Monica Pier. So we had thousands of people that were just coming to the Santa Monica Pier because it's the end of Route 66. And they showed up and all of a sudden, you know, and they're in the midst of a essentially like a, a classic style motorcycle show. Yeah. And, you know, and wowed by that. Um last two years it's been at the bike shed so we've had people just you know happen upon the bike shed people that were going to the bike shed and said oh hey there's a party here yeah um so and we welcome that you know we're, we're trying many, to but get how many sponsors how many booths do you guys have because we, we know a lot of the people and the families but like wh- what does that entail we usually have somewhere around 10 10 sponsors 10 or 10 or 10 15 sponsors it, yeah it it, it it varies i mean sponsors is a big part of the ride because yeah. we do have we do have costs you know there's of course Close down the street on Westfield Century City. There's cost to kind of do all of that permitting. There's a cost to you know pay for the motorcycle escort that kind of shuts down you know shuts down all of the lights as we go as kind of we pass through areas. Some venues like we were at the Greek last year, we had to pay for that location, and every dollar we spend there comes out of you know a dollar that doesn't go to the charity. So the sponsors are really helping us to offset yeah those costs. We're doing two things. We're trying to work with the venue to reduce their cost that they would typically rent the venue for, and then trying to find sponsors, city-specific sponsors, to offset that cost so that the money that the fundraising uh, is is uh, is is accumulating goes to the Movember Foundation. And then w- let's talk about that. The the, the Mo- uh, Movember Foundation. Uh, we mentioned that when we when when this originally took off, it was men's prostate cancer and t- testicular testicular cancer and now it's much bigger than that now it's november who's november uh november is always involved triumph is awesome for being in this quad lock let's talk about the current sponsors and and, and what they're about well november is the charitable partner and beneficiary of of the ride and their mission is to promote men's health and they are funding um, programs for prostate cancer and testicular cancer and for suicide prevention um, yes, the original uh, charitable partner was the Prostate Cancer Foundation, but that morphed. Um, and the mission became bigger for men's mental health because they realized a lot of men that were suffering from prostate cancer were also having effects of mental health. And mental health, just as a larger problem, you know, in the world, it's something that's, you know, there's a, there was a, a, a big stigma about admitting that, you know, you might have a mental health issue, depression right. or... Or some as other a, as a man, especially, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the idea of the you know part of, of this cause is to try to break down those stigmas and to say, hey, it's okay to talk, talk about, about it. it. Yeah, Gi- giving people permission to talk about it is really what the big focus is. And 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 Movember, and, and I've interviewed Movember too. And this, I just want to bring all this all these points up again. Movember offers a a hotline where somebody can call in if they're feeling down. Uh, they the, the cause and the awareness is to promote that, hey, 
men around the world are going through this. It's normal. Talk about it. You know, that that's like one of the main things, right? That, that is one of the main things. And, you know, everybody gets into... And they have a location. They do. They have a Santa Monica location where they actually, there's that's their headquarters for the United States. Um, they're based, their headquarters globally is in, in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, somebody was telling me how much they, they helped them. They, they had to go there, and they, they, there was a time where they needed help, yeah. you know. Um, and, and that's interesting because, I, I, again, I never knew that was out there. You know, yeah, I, it I'm, is. I'm old school, you know, deal with your own stuff, and, and, yeah. and it gets hard, man. It gets hard. It does. It's, it's not just rub some dirt in it, you know, when yeah, you're walk it off. Up. Walk yeah. it off. Yeah. But, you know, everybody gets into the DGR for different reasons. Um, you know, I, I remember the first year a friend said, hey, you know, you want to do this event? You know, we're going we're gonna to dress up in suits and ride it, you know, 25 miles an hour. I'm like, are you kidding? Why would I want to do that? And they're like, well, this is what it's for. And I was right. like, okay, count me out. I'm in. And uh, it was amazing in the first couple of years how many people reaching out, asking them to sponsor me, how many people had been affected by prostate cancer in the first two years that, you know, that was the, the sole aim. When we expanded it to mental health, you know, it became even bigger. And uh, for me, you know, I, I lost my dad to suicide when I was uh, 17 years old. Wow. So it became a very personal cause for me. I became Not very real, very invested in, in the cause. Uh, do you guys have numbers uh, on estimates of people going through depression, cancer, stuff like that in men's, in men's health? Yes, how that or that's a Movember question. I think that's more of a, a Movember question that I, you know, give, give you statistical analysis. But I can tell you, I think every single rider has been affected, you know, within right. their immediate circle of either friends or family, either by cancer or mental health. It's just so prevalent. Yeah. And then uh, for the cancer side of it, I, I, they're they're raising funds to help people get treatment or, or how, how does that work exactly well i think Sorry, the, that's you know one, question, one of the original uh, missions was not only um treatment but prevention you know Prevent, yeah. trying to trying to get awareness to people to go out get an exam get your you know pcr test get you know your blood test you know and it's part of your yearly checkup and 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 the the thing about it is prostate cancer has such a uh, a large success rate in treatment but it depends on early detection. Right. You know, and if you don't detect it until later, that's where you get into to bigger health problems. And, and what's interesting, I, th I think Hyman was the one that was telling me this. He goes, uh, so many people don't want to get checked. And it's all about getting checked first. And it's not a finger up your butt anymore. Like, there's, they have ways of checking that, that. They don't do that anymore. It's no longer and, the Moon River and, from you know, Fletch. And, yes. and I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. You know, I'll go soon, you know. But... Uh, but I thought that, but it's not like that anymore, right? It's like, yeah. what, x-rays? How do they do it now? They can do it by blood. Um, oh, they, just put blood. they can do it as part of your, you know, battery of blood tests. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so that's part of, you know, my examination every year is I get, you know, my blood check for 50 different things, you know. And that's yeah, that's amazing. This has nothing to do with nothing. This is kind of random, but it, it's just how much... Like my mom's like, you, you know, we, we talk about phones and TVs and cars and technology, how amazing it is. But if you look at medicine on how much it's advanced, it's like the craziest one. My mom's 75 years old. She just got like a metal, she had a shoulder replacement three years ago. And now her other shoulder, she did that. And then she has like a little metal here. And she, she has like she's metal. Bionic. Every, she's bionic. <laughs> she's bionic. She writes to me like four days ago. And she goes, Robert, when I die, 
I don't know if they're going to put me in a funeral home or a junkyard. Because <laughs> there's just so many parts. And I'm like, how do I respond funny to res- this? Like, it's funny, but don't say that. You know, well, but medicine is amazing. Yeah, as of December, I have four pieces of titanium in my heart keeping me alive. So That's right. Yeah. So in the yeah. last six months, you, you, you had an accident and you had a heart attack, right? Well, the accident. I don't know if I can talk about <laughs> that. <laughs> I called you out. <laughs> The accident, you know, is, it was was me passing out when I had my blood drawn and I broke my nose, tore my eyelid and broke my the orbital bones in my eye, um, eye socket. So that wasn't pleasant. Had reconstructive surgery on that. But then I had a nice surprise in, in December. I had a, a blockage to the main artery to my heart. And uh, I was fortunate that, that they found it and they were able to, uh, to rectify it with stents. Um, and I came out of the procedure they're like, yeah, your your artery was ninety nine percent blocked, Oof. so I was a heart attack waiting to happen. So I was very. Fortunate. So they caught it. Yeah, they caught it. You didn't have any like uh, you're walking or driving, and they got you. Uh, no, but I actually it got to the point where you know if I was had any significant physical activity, even going up a flight of stairs, I was in pain. And yeah, I was yeah if I would have said let's go hiking or something, yeah. that could have been. Well, we were yeah. checking out a venue actually for the start location for this coming year's DGR, and I was with Anthony, and I was uh, I was out of breath. I was just going up, uh, you know, just taking a walk with him. Yeah, and that was just a like a week or two before my surgery. I I, th- I think it's I think it's so important, especially in LA, because it, it's it's not it's not a city that walking is practical. You know, this is a driving city. Like you, you drive, people drive across the street. And I always tell people, and I've said it on this podcast before, the reason for that is because L.A. was built around the car. You know, when L.A. came, there was cars already. So it's like, let's make roads bigger and wider and yeah. freeways and highways and blah, blah, blah. And then my buddy, L.A. in a minute, he just did um, he just did a fun fact that I didn't know that the first freeway was built in L.A., you know. And, and it just goes to show you. But what it, my point is, is that we're so accustomed to driving that we don't do the walk, even though we have nice hiking trails and there's the gym and you know there's, there's a lot of things but it's super necessary well we glorify the car and for that matter we motorcycle too i mean we have a, a a history of hot rod culture and motorcycle culture in southern california and it's you know one of those things that we've kind of married that love yeah. into a good cause here yeah yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and back to the health issue i want to actually want to call out what your mom did was actually really healthy Taking time and say I'm gonna I'm gonna make fun of this. Oh yeah, it actually breaks down the barriers. Like I've 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 done stand up. I do. You know, I'm, I'm I'm an architect. Who I do a lot of issues around kind of sustainability and kind of climate related issues. So I've done stand up on climate, and people get paralyzed around some of those topics. Oh, big time. So paralyzed about this big topic around you know climate change or climate shift right now. Paralyzed around topics about health, but stopping and just kind of taking a minute and say just just kind of joke around. Just make it, it. It actually makes it easier. Yeah, and more acceptable. And, and and not just to talk about my, my mother, just talk about my mother, but um, again, she's 75. She looks like she's 48 or 49. She acts like she's 14 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'll, I'll, I'll be like, hey, mom, don't leave the plate here. And she'll be like, I'm leaving. She has like this Ricky Ricardo accent. She's been here 60 years and her English still is like Ricky Ricardo. And she's just hilarious. She just has, she has fun with the doctor. She has fun with the nurse. She has, she's just happy, you know, and she sees it as a, as a joke. 
This joke did catch me off guard because I'm like, when I die, funeral home or a junkyard. <laughs> and it took me a second. Like, oh, she's talking. <laughs> then she sent me the x-ray picture. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, I get it. That's where it's yeah. coming from. But, but, but yeah, that, that's definitely um, uh, a way to take it. But some people can't make fun of it. Mm -hmm. Some people get traumatized, you know. Like, again, welcome back after your incident. But, you know, some people will have that. And they're just afraid of the world now. Yeah. You know? And for that, it's, it's how do you lead with with empathy. Right. Like, you know, talking about mental health, like my story, like we've all, we all have these little stories around what, like why we get into this. And I remember I was at, I was at work one day and I was walked past somebody and kind of did the, you know, the sup as you walk by, but it looked like something was wrong with him. So made a point to kind of go to his desk later. I'm like, Hey, how are you doing? He's like, no, 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 I'm fine. Everything kind of forgot about it. Two or three days later, he walks up to my desk and he's like, he's like, yeah, I was really in a bad way that day. And, kind of he let me in on what was going on he's like but thank you for noticing or thank you for saying something and he's like it's like it meant a lot and it's just just stopping and noticing and paying attention and kind of giving people permission yeah to kind of talk Th about those there things. was there was a it might have been a social media reel or whatever the case is i find them very informative there's a lot of informative ones some people are like ah it's social media you know bullshit but i find a lot of informative there was one or it might have been something I watched. There was one uh, where they interviewed this detective, and he worked with a lot of people that did, you know, suicide cases. And they asked him, was there one that ever stood out, you know, just randomly? And he goes, yeah, there was a guy that jumped off a, you know, he jumped off a building, very typical. And uh, when we went to his house, because we're always looking for the note, you know, we went to his house, we found the note. And the note was that he was just not satisfied with his house, da, 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 or with his life and the people he works with and relationships or anything. But what stood out about that one, I get goosebumps on this one, uh, what stood out about this one is he goes, I'm going to go walk two miles to this building, and I'm going to jump. If anybody says hi to me, I won't jump. And that's what got him. He was like, fuck, man, like two-mile walk. Like, what's a two-mile walk? Four, 30, 40-minute mm -hmm. walk. Nobody looked or acknowledged or said hi. And, and it goes back to the point that you're saying. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we just need that human touch, and, and we don't have it, especially now. I was I just on the last uh, podcast I did with uh, Dutch. Dutch is like, I'm almost sixty years old. I didn't have a cell phone or social media growing up. I check a few emails, and all of a sudden, I'm done, sent, and I'm on Instagram <laughs> strolling. And I'm like, what am I doing? I, I've been here already like twenty minutes, fifteen minutes, and it catches us. But now it's even more important to like just say hi to people and hey, have a good day. I remember I was hiking a few months ago, and I'm just minding my business. I was recording. I was like, look at how beautiful. And then somebody was like, um, they said, God bless you. Have a beautiful day. And I was like, God bless you. Have a beautiful And I was excited. Yeah. I caught that moment. I was like, oh, my God. Somebody said, God bless. It's yeah. weird. It is strange. You know, I grew up in uh, you know, a suburban neighborhood of Orange County where everybody had their front doors unlocked and every, you know, parent knew everybody's kids. Not anymore. After. And, and, that, and yeah. that doesn't happen anymore. Um, we're, we live these very insular lives and, you know, we drive everywhere. You know, we don't connect with, with people as much. And so it becomes more important to, to notice people. Yeah. You know, we're, we're so caught up with what we're doing and where we're going that, you know, gosh, I don't know half of the neighbors on my street because they just For keep sure. to themselves. Yeah, we're unfortunately, transitioning into this world where everybody's living and interacting behind a screen. Yeah. When yeah. And, and, and to add to that is we we spend so much money on on making our space comfortable. 
you know, and you don't want to leave and, and you want to stay in here. You want to be like, and this is one of the main reasons I love the podcast because we wouldn't be talking if I didn't have the podcast. I, I have almost 130 episodes and I've had these intimate, you know, awesome conversations one-on-one where I could be like, hey, turn off your phone. Let's talk about it. And, and this doesn't exist anywhere else that I know of. Like, this doesn't exist. If we're not doing business or if I'm not a client or you're not my client, mm-hmm. what are we going to talk about? You know, nice product. Right. Yeah, you're doing better? Cool. All right. Let's drink shots. Cheers. See you later. <laughs> you know? So, but, but I guess the message for this part of the podcast is say hi to people. Be friendly. Yeah. You know? Say hi to your neighbors. You know? Care. 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 And I mean, I think what what ultimately is important in your life? Is it how much money you make or your station, your job? No, I think it's about experiences and relationships, be those familial relationships or friendships, the, you know, the people that you make your family and your circle of friends. And, uh, you know, that's what's really important at the end of the day. It's, you know, when you, you know, you've had your time, it's, it's those experiences and those relationships. And around, you know, we have to initiate. We have to initiate. And why don't we? Why do you think most people don't initiate? Let, let, let's solve this world problem right now. Because I think uh, some of it is vulnerability. You know, you have to, to, to engage and, and to form relationships. You have to be vulnerable. And, and people sometimes are afraid of doing that. Just, just to let their guards down and sure. be like, I want to say hi, but what if he doesn't say hi to me? Fuck him. I'm not going to say. Or to care about somebody, yeah. you, know? Um, you know? that's You know, you're not going to have a friend unless you care about them. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and we're talking about a real friend, not, you know, a friend on Facebook or on Instagram, you know, it's like, and that's what really counts. I think too much of uh, the social media culture now is that people bleed those together and they don't, you know, they don't realize that, hey, you know, you might have X number of followers, but do they know you? Mm -hmm. You Have you ever actually met in in real life? (laughs) Yeah, and yeah. sat with yeah. them and know what yeah. they think. That's what I like about motorcycles. You know, it, 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 I think it's easier to group up. Like, guys, let's go for a ride. And then that ride, like yesterday we went to Palm Springs, and we had two new people just, you know, hey, why not? Okay, cool. Go on. And that bond, e- even though we weren't communicating, mm-hmm. you know, but just riding in the road, the wind blowing us off the freeway almost, and, you know, whoa, and getting to Palm Springs, it was like, that was that was awesome, and now the next day it's like the text messages. Hey, that was great. This was amazing. That was. Did you see this? Did you see? That? Here's a picture I took. You know, it's it's motorcycles are a good icebreaker for that. Yeah, and look at look at this example. I'm gonna give you this perfect example right here. When when Don and I started doing DGR, we we never met each other. We didn't know each other. Our first year that we were both on the ride together was this massive competition. <laughs> we no. were back and forth. I think we were raising like you know you know. Ten fifteen thousand dollars, and we were back and forth, kind of, you know, because there was a big prize in the LA ride. We kind of giving away this kind of nice watch from Zenith, which kind of culminated in two of us still stuck at that same kind of break off. We were kind of th- we raised the same amount of money, and we we're doing rock paper scissors at at the <laughs> finale of that yeah. to decide who won it. And like we were fierce competition with each other, and now I mean we just we've just turned into the best of friends. Yeah. So yeah, you two, you two, you two. I think everybody identifies you guys as like they grew up together. Yeah. <laughs> they grew up together. Like, you know. well, I think every year we 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 go back and forth, and then there's you know there will be some person that comes out of the blue and and you know challenges us, and it's it's a healthy competition. It's yeah. and it's funny. We'll be joking, you know, and we'll be like I gotta beat that guy, but when he takes he or she takes the lead, it's like go for it. You know, you're yeah. like cheering them on too. Yeah, and uh, you know, last year. It was Jaime. 
Jaime, you know, I, I'd never met Jaime. And, uh, you know, Jaime Camille for everyone listening. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, he became a global ambassador and he was a freaking fundraising juggernaut. And that was, by the way, is the nickname that I have for Anthony, actually. But, you know, for, <laughs> the, last, took it that last year. Yeah, for the last 10 years, Anthony and I have always been at the top, either one or two, you know, in, in Los Angeles and within the top, you know, I don't know, 25 to 50 in the world, somewhere in that range. And you know, Jaime came out of nowhere just blew everybody away and we were like wow yeah this guy's amazing it's going to a good place we, yeah. we welcome it yeah. yeah and i'll tell you i'll tell you an interesting thing about uh, dgr uh i met Jaime through dgr you know and and now we're like boxing every week going to the gym every week our kids play together we ride everywhere and it's like that that was because of dgr you mm -hmm. know uh, he, he became a bike shed member he did buy a jacket that i had the similar jacket and i was like hey man nice jacket that's cool that was it and then at dgr i think it was like two years ago three years ago um we were just standing next to each other and we were having a conversation we did the ride and we finished the ride and we're like hey group chat group chat all right cool you know and that was it you know he it lives it in the neighborhood and it's turned into this thing this living thing that just winds up bringing so many different people so together many. Yeah. I mean, so many it's easy to find a connection with somebody when they have one thing in common with but now, okay, well, now we've got this five, 600 people who are riding, so they already have a connection, but they're also mission aligned with what we're doing yeah. for the charity. So it's just, you know, that, and then you find something else that you have in common with something else. I mean, so many great friends. Yeah, well, you, you, you even Mark was telling me people have met and gotten married. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people have found their significant others. People yeah. have started businesses together. See, people, yeah. people have, have create, you know, created the cause. Uh, like, this is repeated in how many cities again? 500? What? 900? 900, 900 cities. I, I mean, isn't that, like, part of the magic of motorcycling, though? Because, you know, you're just talking about it. You know, you'll, you'll go on a ride, and you might not know anything about this person. You know that you both love motorcycles, and then you get to talking, and you, you might have a, a few more things in common. But, you know, you could come from completely different walks of life. You know, somebody could be white collar, somebody can be blue collar. Doesn't matter. You you share this particular passion and you have that connection. Yeah. And you build from there. Yeah. yeah. Um. We talked. To, well, do you want to talk about a little bit more about where the donations go? We kind of covered that, right? Yeah, we kind of covered that. Right, it goes to November. It goes November. We talked about how much LA has kind of been bringing in. Like LA, we've been one of the top five, three to five fundraisers. Everybody in November over the last yeah. several years. And November has really great transparency. If you go onto the DGR site and you uh, click onto the the Movember link about their fundraising partner, they actually give a full financial report of what they do with all of the money that they raise every year. So Los Angeles was one of the top five cities. Right. We were actually number three last year. Yeah. And we were number one for a second. We were so for a hot, for a hot second. <laughs> and we finished only about $2,000 away from the top. It was between San Francisco, ended up number one, New York, and San ourselves. San Francisco ended yes. up number one. I, I, yeah. I, I thought it was New York and L.A. And, yeah. uh, now, another thing that I think is important for anybody who wants to fundraise uh they give away motorcycles, right? They do. Yes, yeah. They give who, okay, so uh, they give motorcycles gives, away. Who to gives the top away three motorcycles and, and and to who? Triumph Triumph gives, which is our global sponsor, gives away um, three Four. motorcycles to the top three fundraisers. Plus, they have what they call the Gentle Folk Prize that they give uh, based upon people's answers to a questionnaire of, of 
essentially what their ride inspiration is and what they believe, you know, to be the ideals of being a gentle person. Yeah. A gentleman nice. or a gentleman. And then you, you raise a minimum amount of money. I think it's maybe 200 or 500 dollars. Uh, and then you're part of, and that, that's given away kind of a raffle style. Interesting. Because I think people that want to raise money or have connections to raising money will be like, oh, I'm interested in this. So the, the that's globally. 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 And I think the, the top three fundraisers, they think they, on average, raise anywhere from like 130000 on the high end to like 80000 on the low end. And most of those guys, um, they they are multiple winners of motorcycles over the years, and they've raffled those off themselves or they – raffle them off to their to their sponsors to raise more money for the next year's ride. That's that's amazing. Yeah. I, I think that's a very important thing. Um, I think the getting tested for prostate cancer and it's blood now is very yeah. important now. <laughs> I think that the ride is open for everybody is 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 important now. Uh, random question why why is the meetup spot and end location a secret? I can I can guess, but you know I'm sure, sure. Uh, if we hearken back to the days where it was public information, you'd have, you know, About close to 2,000 people showing up and not registering and not fundraising. So we wanted it to be an enjoyable experience for those people put, who put in the effort to fundraise because it is it is a lot of work to go out and fundraise it. And, yeah. and some people, um, you know, we're talking about, you know, I, I probably harassed the living bejesus out of every single friend and family and business connection that I have to, to raise money every year. Yeah. Um, and, and some people don't want to put in that effort, but they want to show up and put on a suit and have their photo taken. Um, we want the experience to be more about the people that are putting in that work and raising money for Movember. Yeah. Make it more exclusive and, and private. No. And I guess that I'm just asking just, well, to we want it manageable. Um, we want it to be a manageable enough group to where we can provide a, a ride that flows easily through the city and we can complete the ride in, you know, an orderly fashion within, you know, 60 to 90 minutes yeah. um, so that it, that everyone arrives at the end location fresh and, you know, they're not, you know, worn out from a, a three-hour experience. Right. Um, and we want it to, you know, we want to reward those people that are putting in that work uh, rather than just having people, you know, glom on and, and uh and glom onto the ride for their own purposes, not mm -hmm. for fundraising. Yeah, and we want the ride to be safe. Again, the bigger the ride, John kind of said this, the bigger the ride is, the more unmanageable it becomes. Like, we have to bring in, we have medics on the ride. We'll have a tail car or a follow car on the ride in case somebody breaks down, get off to the side. We go through a safety briefing. We want to make sure that this is safe, and we haven't had very many incidences at all. In the LA ride, even even that's for amazing, six hundred people, five to six hundred people, that's a large group ride, and there's a lot of logistics that have to go into that. I mean, the thirteen hundred year was, I can, I can, I wasn't even, I wasn't part of the organizing organizing team when we were thirteen hundred, but I have to imagine that was just a challenge to kind of get oh all yeah that for sure coordinated. Um, and then for new listeners, where where can they donate? So what, what they ought to do is they ought to go on to gentlemansride.com and pre-register for the ride. Um, and, and if they're going to participate in the ride, they can pre-register now. And that way, when fundraising starts on March 25th, I believe is the first day of fundraising, they'll be able to start doing their fundraising campaign and, and, and soliciting donations from people. There, you know, suppose that you don't, you don't ride a motorcycle and you just want to give to the cause. You can go and you can generally donate to gentlemen's ride you can pick a random rider or you can just 
give a donation just to the gentleman's ride. Yeah. Or to, to a specific city, or you just find somebody that, that you know. Like if you know somebody, you can just donate to their ride. On top of that, we also have a lot of, you know, can't stress enough, we get a lot of volunteer support. We have friends and family that show up, and they help with, you know, rider check-ins, mm-hmm. staging the bikes, directing the bikes, um, helping with all the logistics involved on the day of the ride. Yeah, for a 600-person ride, we're probably looking at close to 100 volunteers. Wow. We're going to help us pull all this together. Wow. We can't do it without any of them. Uh, can we give a shout out? Is it to VVMC? They they well, kind of help organize. VVMC has uh, typically helped lead the ride in terms of you know contributing marshals, um, providing comms, um, helping to coordinate and helping to get the word out. Uh, a new group that's been helping us is the Beachside Motor Club yep. too, as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, we had a Ride lot of members on. of the Leaders um, come in, which is a, a, a women's motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So awesome. we welcome everybody. As long as you're going to participate in an orderly fashion, you're not going to go stunning down <laughs> the yeah. road or do anything reckless. We want you to come. We want you to be part of the family. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. BMC Frank, uh, Franco and Adam are outstanding. I've had them on a couple of times. Um, Oh, another f- question. You're the attorney, so you got to, no you know, if, don't get, I don't want to get in trouble here. Donations are a tax write-off, right? They are. So, I, so if I donate five hundred or a million or a thousand, tax write off. It's a it's a five hundred one three C corporation. It's uh, you know you get your uh, tax deduction at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. So you're you're doing a good cause and you're going to save money on your auto insurance. I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, any other thing that we missed? Or you guys want to cover on this? Because the other part to this is we're going to have other members of your team on the show. And I I can't stress that enough. We have a team. It's a team effort. Um, we have eight people on the team that contribute to the uh, to the effort, and then even a wider band of volunteers on the day of. But it's the team that, that gets the ride organized, that finds the venue, that finds the sponsors, that coordinates the ride, the ride route, um, and they pull that together. And, and you'll be interviewing uh, the entire team. It's made up of Anthony, myself, Dakota, uh, Mickey, um, we also have uh, Steve uh, Mumolo, Tico, and uh, Lucas, and Ricky Rocket. Ricky Rocket. Ricky Rocket. Well, I'm looking forward to having them on. I appreciate you guys for coming in today and, and doing this wonderful cause. Uh, please send me more info, and I'll make sure to share it, and uh, I'll see you at the bike show. We're, we're hoping you're actually going to come in and be a sponsor and join us this year. I, I'm, I'm gonna be, I might be in Mexico. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to sponsor. I'm gonna try to sponsor and get a booth. Uh, but Jaime is gonna launch it this year in the city of Mexico, and he asked me to come, and I was honored because I think that's gonna be awesome. Mm-hmm. His connections out there are amazing. Yeah, um, he knows a few people in Mexico. Weird. Jaime is <laughs> gonna do some, gonna do some great things. He's gonna there. he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna do some great things down there. But the Mexico uh, City ride is is a spectacle. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, you know I've seen the photos from it. I have friends that have ridden in it multiple times. It sounds amazing, and I think that's. One of the great things, I think, uh, Dakota. One year, he he was riding in a in he was in a different country and he rode in you know a different DGR. So, it's one of those things where wherever you are, you're probably going to be able to find a DGR ride to participate in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in 900 cities, it's insane. I was I was in New Zealand this past May doing, you know, some keynote talks at a conference, and I, somebody connected with me because they saw my they saw I was down there. They're like, yeah, I participate in DGR, and I went I wound up hooking up with them and just kind of. We connect. It, it, this is silly, but is there like a group, uh, is there a DGR global group chat? You know, like for example, like my, my website, uh, ridebalance.net, 
I, I can create groups and I can have people, let, let's say I got to the point where it was just so popular, people would just sign in and I can have like uh, guest groups where all the guests can, you know, exchange information. And then I can have, you know, uh, subscribers or whatever, all the listeners. And it could be one place where people are like, hey, I'm going to go to Florida. You know, I'm going to go to New Zealand. Is there something like that for DGR? There, there is some of that. There's a there's like network a Facebook of group. Or well, well, we do have Facebook groups, but you know, within the the ride organizing community, there are there are like you know, as the red approaches, there are weekly um, meetings where you know, new city hosts and old city hosts will get on a Zoom call together mm-hmm. and and help each other out. I've had multiple uh, DGR city hosts DM me on our Instagram page, uh, Distinguished Riders of Los Angeles, or not a, the of, Distinguished Riders yeah, of yeah. Los Angeles. And, uh, and they'll reach out to me from other cities and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to be starting, you know, hosting this new city, you know, and like, hey, Any here's my number, yeah. like, reach out to me with questions. You're going to have questions, mm-hmm. right? you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of them, you know, starts off as like a 10 person ride or something like that it's very manageable but then you have to scale up and then you have to bring in you know escorts to block traffic to make it orderly and oh it's so intricate yeah things get you know as you scale up things get more complicated so we try to make ourselves available to anybody who wants wants our help you know wants us to share our experience and then a fun question well not a fun question but What's the most, because LA is so crazy, like, you know, you'll go down one street and then the next day you go, it's closed down because they're doing construction or there's a premiere, or there's a movie. Has there been anything that's ever made you guys have to detour? Yes and yes. <laughs> How was that? Well, I mean, we, when we're planning the ride, we're doing, especially the last six weeks before the ride, we're doing mock rides and we're testing out routes and, and finding out where there's going to be construction. But there have been instances where all of a sudden it's it's two days before the ride and we're doing a practice run and they're tearing up a street and we have to figure out a fix. We have to <laughs> yeah. detour, you yeah. know, and, and we've been and very good at being able to. Sometimes. Yeah, it is. You can't just use ways and just wing it. <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. I no. think the, the first year that I did it back in 2014, we did do something like that and we ended up diverting a pack of 600 riders through a residential neighborhood in like Brentwood and, oh it, my and it caused, you know, absolute pandemonium because we didn't have any escorts. We just had the, the VVMC guys blocking traffic and major intersections. And yeah, it was pretty hectic. Now Smoking we try to do cigarettes and showing their mom. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, now we try to do it a little bit more orderly and, and with those same guys, we're just uh, getting more help. Yeah. yeah. But when you're, when you're organizing a 20 to 25 mile parade lap through the city, through any city, but through the city of LA, it's you're al- you're always going to run into some kind obstacles. Of yeah. Obstacle, and we're always oh. you know the rider safety is is paramount. We're always trying to think about the fact that there are a lot of new riders that are excited about doing the DGR, and we're trying to make it as safe as possible for them. Yeah, um, we're 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 looking at you know like the lowest common denominator, like the you know can somebody with limited skill set and experience experience this safely, and we want that to happen. And then uh, I guess my last question would be for the volunteers that you're talking about, how, if somebody wanted to volunteer, who, who would they contact? How would they get a hold of you? You know, the easiest way is that they can DM us on our Instagram account, distinguished riders, Los Angeles. Okay. And uh, we will take down their contact information and we will funnel them into, we have a, a you know, a spreadsheet of, of all of our vol- volunteers and where they can be allocated and what they want to do. Some people want to help with certain aspects of it, be it 
you know, helping with registration check-in or parking or, you know, route guidance and whatnot or the after party event. Yeah. And um, there's always, you know, we always have, uh, you know, availability. It's it's more of an issue of, you know, trying to figure out where we're going to put somebody. Right. Yeah, manning it. There's, an, there's enough there's enough stuff to get done. Yes. That we, can get all, you, we can use all the help. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, I think that's it. Do you want to add anything else? Thanks. Thanks for having us. This has been amazing. Yeah, thank you, guys. I really appreciate you guys coming out here. I know it's your first trip to the Valley in a long time, so <laughs> thank you for your sacrifice. It wasn't was that bad. Come no, on. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I have a sister that uh, lives in Woodland Hills, not too okay. far from here. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Nice. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you. I'll see you at the bike shed. Absolutely. Yeah.